encourage you to fill out this piece of paper in your bulletin, drop it in the bucket on your way out, and we will follow up with you accordingly. Um, multiple options for prayer. Uh, you can always email through our website to send in a prayer request, or you can put it on this card and drop it in the bucket. You can come early at 945 on Sunday morning for a time of conversational prayer through one of the Psalms, and we will, um, if you have needs at that time, they can be expressed, and you can have people there praying with you or for you, or you can uh, tap any of our deacons or elders uh, after the service, and they will spend time in prayer with you. So encourage you to avail yourself of any of and all of those opportunities if you are so inclined. A lot of things going on around here that you ought to know about. Um, we have our Tuesday night Zoom Bible study. That's on Tuesday night, yes, at 7 o'clock. It would be weird to have a Tuesday night Zoom Bible study on Thursday, wouldn't it? Um, so Zoom in Tuesdays at 7. We are currently going over some key scriptures to our faith, and those will be reviewed and discussed and given to you if you would like to reinforce those further throughout the week. You're free to do so. Uh, no limits on God's word here at Hope Church. We want you to have all of it. Um, so uh, that'll be going on for the next few weeks at least as we look at key scriptures and discuss on Tuesday nights at 7. Then we have later this month a women's gathering on the 18th. That's a Saturday. That's this Saturday? Is this already like the middle of March? The Ides of March are upon us? At 2, Brute. Okay. Um, uh, there we go. This coming Saturday, women's gathering here at Hope in the family room. Uh, there will be Bunko and prizes. Uh, no gambling, just Bunko and prizes. You don't have to pay anything. It's free to come. And then also at that gathering, there will be some announcements of some smaller small groups that you can sign up to be a part of if you would like to meet with other women uh, on a regular basis according to your schedule just for um, Christian growth and fellowship. So that will be available. Uh, there will be inf more information about those meetings at that gathering. Um, then let's see. We have... A Seder dinner planned for the Thursday before Easter. It's a Thursday night gathering. We're going to gather here for dinner. And how do I explain this? This is the meal that Jesus ate with his disciples at the Last Supper. This is the full Jewish Passover Seder meal. Uh, and we will have most of what the Jewish tradition would include, plus uh, some obvious tie-ins that our Savior made, like when he held up the matzah and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. You will actually get to see where in the meal that occurs, and it will have like many more layers of meaning to you after you go through this meal than it does just as a regular goyim, uh, unknowingly sort of taking the Lord's Supper. Um, so it's really cool. It involves a, it's actually a, a worship service that's also a meal. Here's the best part. There are four cups of wine that are consumed during the meal. We will have grape juice available for those of you who don't wish to partake of the fruit of the vine after it's fermented. Um, but uh, there will be a full meal. Uh, it involves lamb for biblical reasons that you might be able to guess. Um, but uh, we need your help. We need your help. We need, you, we need people to sign up. We've got, so here's the, here's the, like, I've cast the line. Here's where I set the hook. Angie Bridges from Copa Wine Bar is making the lamb-based shepherd's pie for dinner that night, and she needs to know how much lamb to buy. All right, so if you are thinking about coming, if you're planning to come, uh, go to our website, 
click through to the, you can scroll down on the front page and you can find the Seder sign up. There's like 40 different ways you can volunteer for that to help out with that Seder um, by either bringing something or helping set up or helping clean up or whatever. We have Easter Sunday, that following Sunday, so there's going to be some cleanup involved. But lots of places you can sign up to volunteer, but most of all, we need a head count and we need it sooner rather than later. So if you can go online, I'll send you a reminder, but if you can just go to our website, click through and find the Seder meal sign up, please let us know if you're planning to come. We need to know. You may invite people to come with you. Those people don't have to clean up. If they're guests of Hope Church, they can just come and be guests. That's fine. Um, but the rest of us, we're going to put you to work. Uh, and then there's other places you can sign up uh, to, like, give some, some money, for example, to couples with young, young babies that need a babysitter. Um, you can help sponsor that and that kind of thing. But there's no cost to the meal. Um, well, there is cost, but there's no fee for coming. We want you to, it's a worship service, so everyone's free to come. Uh, any questions about that? Anything I missed, Lois? Anyone? Okay, it is a, it is a if you want to drink those four cups of wine, uh, we're going to just put it this way, bring your own wine. We will have grape juice available for little ones and others uh, who are not interested in drinking wine. Those of you who want to drink wine, uh, please bring your own. That'll help us save a ton of money um, just from a practical vantage point. Um, any other questions, comments, snide remarks? Anyone? Mike, you got to have something for me. You lost an hour's sleep last night. What? All right, what's left of it? All right, okay, so please log on, sign up, let us know you're coming. That would be super helpful. Um, also, for Easter, we need Easter eggs. Um, if you can uh, bring some Easter eggs, we may, I don't know if we're ready for this or not, we may have some in the children's ministry room that we can hand out after the service. If you want to take them home and fill them and bring them back, that would be awesome. Uh, we go through hundreds of these things on Easter Sunday after the service with the kiddos, so uh, be aware of that. Our men's group will meet again in April. That's after Easter. Uh, I think that's all I have for now. There will be on, I think it's on a Friday night, this is just a mark your calendar, there will be a Cinco de Mayo party right here. Uh, this was an idea that um, Dart and Belinda wanted to do some outreach events and just help Hope Church open up and invite some, some non-Hope Church folks to come and have fun. And so we will re uh, resuscitate our salsa, queso, and what was the other one? Guacamole contest. All right, the three amigos will rise again um, for that. So that's Cinco de Mayo. That would be held on the 5th of May. All right, okay, and our Tuesday night Bible study is Tuesday night. Very good. Okay, I think y'all got this. Um, all right, if I can have all of the important people come down to the front at this time, that would be great. If you are in fifth grade or younger, I, we invite you down for our children's chat at this time. How are y'all doing? Doing all right? Doing good? <laughs> Welcome. Esther, I missed you last week. I'm sorry you weren't feeling well. Do you know what book of the Bible we studied last week? It was Esther. And we missed our Esther. That's okay. We still love you. Are you feeling better? You want to take over? I'm cool with that. All right. So. I'm going to read you a scripture. L okay, you listening? All right, this was God. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, 
you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial proclaimed with blast of trumpets, a holy convocation. Why would God tell his people to have a meeting that starts with a blast of trumpets? Anyone? You ever heard a trumpet? What's a trumpet? What does it sound like? Yeah? All right. So God told his people that he wanted them to come together to the sound of a trumpet to do what? To, well, they're good. Knock down a building. Knock down the walls of Jericho. How many times did they march around Jericho? Seven, right? And then they blew the trumpets, and what happened? The walls fell down. But there was the woman named Rahab who saved the two spies that were uh, in Jericho. And she was saved and her whole family. And she became part of Israel. And did you know that she was like Jesus' great, 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 great grandmother? Yeah, Rahab from Jericho, where the trumpets were blown. And the Bible also says there will be a, a final trumpet that blows. And what happens then? Jesus comes back, and he makes everything right. All right, you want to hear a trumpet? All right, you ready? Does this look like a trumpet to you? What do you think that is? It looks like a shell. It's actually a horn from a ram. If I had two of them, I'd look really funny. All right. All right, so this is the, yeah, exactly. How does it go? You've heard this before. Yeah, well, that's how it's supposed to go. When I do it, it's, we don't really know how it's going to go. So this is either going to be kind of cool or really funny. And I might, if I can't get it right, I might just start laughing, like, right in the middle of it, and then it'll just, like, not work at all. You want me to try it? All right. Like a shark? Arr. Ready? How was that? Probably should have turned my mic off before I did that. All right. Okay, now we're going to pray. How about we pray? You ready? Here, hold my hand. We're going to pray. You ready? Dear God, we thank you that you are fun, that you are the God who calls us to gather together, who gives us things like trumpets and other cool stuff to praise you and to call your people into uh, worship. We just thank you that you are the God who loves us, who grows us, and who calls us to be uh, the men and women of God that you created us to be. We just pray your blessing on these children as they study more of your word and hope for kids. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and lead them into a deeper understanding of how much you love them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a great time in Hope for Kids. Okay. Did you, can you interpret that? No? Oh, got it. You have a trumpet at home, Will? No trumpets? No wind instruments at all? Oh, yeah, I, I'm, I've got you, buddy. You're coming up here later. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I got, you're, you're part of this. This is just the children's chat right here. Yeah. The grown-up version is coming later. All right. Will you join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts for God's word this morning? God, our loving Father, we 
pause before you as we open your word. We pray that you would open our hearts, that you would speak to us this morning through your holy, eternal, living word. Grow us more and more into the men and women that you created us to be. And Lord, as we come before your word, we lay at the foot of your cross the burdens of our hearts that we might be more free to encounter you here through your word and by your spirit. And so, Father, we give you our sins, our disappointments, um, all those aspects of life that drag us down. We leave them at the foot of your cross. We thank you for the mercy and forgiveness that are ours in Jesus Christ. We lift before you those relationships in our lives that are strained. We pray for peace and reconciliation where it is needed. We lift to you those whom we know and love who are sick or recovering from medical procedures or facing uncertain diagnoses, and we pray your healing mercies upon your people. We lift up our country and our leaders at every level of government, elected and appointed, and we pray for wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. We lift up our men and women in uniform. We pray that you would watch over and protect them. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way. We ask that you would bring them home safely. Lord, we lift up those who've returned home from their service to our country changed, and we pray that you would use us, your people, to minister your healing to them, mind, body, and soul. And Father, we lift up your church here at Hope and around the world. We pray that as your word is opened today in churches around the planet, that uh, it would go forth from the mouths of your people and that it would not return to you empty. We lift to you those churches that we are connected to through our denomination and through our missions giving. We pray your blessing over them. We lift up uh, Paul and Elizabeth Branch in Guatemala, and John and Diane Davis in Laredo, Texas. We lift to you uh, Pastor Miguel and Tatiana Broche in Camajuani, Cuba at our sister church. And we pray for Pastor Roberto there as well. We lift up Pachi Quesada and his wife Marilyn in Havana, Cuba. We lift up Monica and Benjamin Bailey in the Middle East and Robbie and Joyce Hand as they continue to serve the people of Lebanon. And we pray your hand upon those works in those places and we just pray you would be with us here now as we open your word. Speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, a lot going on here. Um, we are in a, a sermon series that we are calling L'Chaim. Uh, you got to choke on that if you want to say it right. Um, which is uh, actually just uh, Hebrew for to life. If you've ever seen Fiddler on the Roof, you get it. Um, and we are looking at the feasts that are laid out in Scripture for the Jewish people. Uh, we were doing a sermon series a, a couple years ago, um, I think it was called Run Through the Bible, and we, someone pointed out uh, while we were on the Zoom Bible study one night that when God called his people out of Egypt, he did not just give them freedom from bondage, he, he instituted for them a culture and reasons to gather and foods that would define uh, their gatherings, and other aspects of what it means to be a group of people. And so in Scripture, in the books of um, Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, you have God instituting among his fr newly freed people all of these aspects of culture that will define them as a people group and, and separate them from the groups around them. And one of the things he does, uh, and you'll see this, I think, in, in here somewhere, maybe in another couple of weeks, but he, he resets their calendar. And <clears throat> the reason he does this is they had previously been living in Egypt on uh, an Egyptian calendar that would have been all about the culture and religion of Egypt. And each of the, not each, there were literally a thousand different Egyptian gods and goddesses, but the major gods and goddesses of Egypt would have been featured in their calendar, in their annual calendar, and all cultures are this way. Um, and so, anyway, before I go too far down that rabbit hole, um, God gives the Jewish people their own calendar, 
and on that calendar, different punctuations of reasons to gather and things to do when they gather. And this is all laid out uh, in, in unison in the 23rd chapter of Leviticus. I'm just going to start with reading to you uh, verses 1 and 2 of Leviticus 23. It simply says this, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. And so imagine you've, you've just left Egypt and you've, you've grown up with a different calendar system, a different religious system, uh, different festivals and holidays, etc. And now God is hitting the reset button and you get your own calendar, your own festivals, feasts, and holidays. And so I'm just going to, uh, there's, the, the fu- there's a funny, not funny, haha, funny weird. Uh, Hebrew word that is used in this passage when, when he says these are the appointed feasts of the Lord, it's, it's more like these are the appointments that are being set for you to keep with God. So I'm going to call them dates. God wants to date his people. He wants to be in regular communication and regular relationship with the people he loves. And so we're going to take a look just briefly at these dates with God that are given to Moses in the rest of Leviticus chapter 23. Uh, You should be a painfully full chart on the wall behind me. There's one in your bulletin if you want to look at it uh, in table format. But God begins, the verse after the two verses I just read, he establishes this weekly rhythm of rest days where you're not allowed to work. It's a holiday, it's a holy day, it's a day of rest, reflection, and worship. And as he does that, you will notice almost everything else in this list flows out of or is attached to an increment of seven. How many days did it take God to create the heavens and the earth? Six. And on the seventh day, he rested. And so he is weaving into the culture of his people two things. This way to remember who God is and how he works, and this call to be a people who are at rest. God wants you in your relationship with him to be at rest, not to be striving to please him or satisfy his wrath or something like that. He wants you to be at rest, and this will separate uh, God's people from the cultures around them as they continue in this rhythm of seven days. Then, uh, after he establishes this weekly rhythm, he comes to the first month of the year, and he says, on the, on the second Sunday of the first month of the year, so that's one epic of seven days, a second period of seven days, then you are to celebrate the Passover, the event of God uh, freeing his people from Egypt. And this Passover then institutes a seven-day festival called the Festival of Unleavened Bread. During that seven days, you don't eat anything other than matzah if it's made with wheat. You you, You don't eat risen bread. You don't put yeast in your bread. Um, This is to remind you, as God's people, that he saved you from bondage and that you fled in a hurry on his schedule, not your schedule, um, but that he freed you from that. It's It's a time of remembrance. And then the day after that next seven days uh, is the day of first fruits. So this would be sort of a, a, hard to explain, Um, you would take a clipping of whatever you were growing on your farm, and you would take it to a priest, and the priest would wave it before God and bless it, and this is a time of hope and blessing, you're asking for God's blessing over your crops, then uh, after that one day, plus seven more weeks of seven, 
you see where this is good. You see the rhythm here. Um, is the feast of the harvest, the first harvest is brought to the temple. And this is a big deal. This is a big festival. It's also, <laughs> okay, so Passover is 14 days after the first day of the first month. That's one Jewish New Year. The festival of the harvest is a second Jewish New Year. It marks the beginning of the season of harvest. And then uh, there's another Jewish New Year uh, celebrated in the, guess how many months it takes to get to the next New Year? Seven months, all right? So if you think about this, you have this, this rhythm of seven days where there's a rest, a day of rest. You have these other punctuations in the annual calendar where there are calls to either celebrate or rest or both. And then in the seventh month, the first day of the seventh month, you have what is called the Feast of Trumpets. And so every first day of the month, a trumpet would be blown from wherever the tabern wherever the altar is, the tabernacle or the temple, depending on what time period you're in. There would be two silver trumpets that were blown at this point, beginning of every month. Here's why. Your average shepherd did not have a day planner. They had not read Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and then bought the uh, day planner that goes with it, right? And so they're just out in their fields, minding their own business, and they know the lunar cycle. They know what's going on there. But about once a month, they would hear from Jerusalem this blast of trumpets. And then they would grab their little ram's horns, and they would repeat it. And they would pass that signal throughout the countryside. The blast of the silver trumpets from the temple or from the tabernacle could be heard, if it was in Jerusalem, it could be heard for about 20 miles. Um, and they would, they would re do re repetitive blasts and they would turn together in one direction and then another and then, and then they would get that signal out. And then the shepherds would pick up their ram's horns and repeat. And everybody would know this is a new month. We just started whatever month we're in, okay? But we'll see in just a moment that uh, this month is different, but we go from this Feast of Trumpets on the first day of the seventh month, which is a day of preparation for the tenth day of the seventh month, seventh month, which is the Day of Atonement. And this is a hugely significant day in the season of the, the calendar of Israel. We'll talk about the Day of Atonement later in this series, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it right now. Um, and then, after the, uh, the Day of Atonement, five days later, I believe, they would celebrate what was called the Feast of Booths. <laughs> um, so every kid loves to set up a little tent in their room. We do, we, do kids still do this? I mean, they just get on their phones now. And Is there like an app for that? I don't know. Maybe. Um, and in, in ancient Israel, what they would do is uh, they would take, the, the Bible actually prescribes there's branches and palm leaves and other things you can take, and you build a little tent inside your house over your bed, and you sleep under this covering for, I don't know, let's say seven days. I don't actually remember. Probably seven days. That's, that's a pretty solid guess, right? Um, and you do this to remember that God led his people out of bondage and provided for them in the wilderness for those 40 years. It's just a, a little way. And so today, if you were in a... Um, like a, a Jewish home, like someone might just hang a palm branch or a leaf or a twig from their ceiling fan in their bedroom to remind them this is the festival of booze. This is the time where we remember that God provided for his people in those 40 years in the wilderness. Um, if you're more orthodox in your Judaism, you would actually build a little tent over your bed and you would cover it with these natural branches and things. Um, but there you go. Those are 
so there's this rhythm of every seventh day. And then on the annual calendar, there are seven days or periods of remembrance that are established. So you can see God's kind of obsessed with the number seven. So there you have it. Uh, But there it is, this establishment of a rhythm, of a culture, of reasons to gather and things to do to commemorate and remember and dedicate. And so I'm going to read to you, I'm I'm just going to make a quick confession that you really don't care about. Um, When we were planning this series, I gave a whole Sunday to the Feast of Trumpets. And then on Monday of this past week, this current week, I opened up to look in my Bible and really dig into the Feast of Trumpets. It's like two verses. I was like, oh. And then I went down the rabbit hole of Jewish calendar stuff, and I didn't come out until last night at some point. So uh, here we are. I'm glad to be here um, and move on to something different next week. But here are the, um, I'm sorry, three full verses dedicated to the Feast of Trumpets. So Moses is laying out all these elaborate feasts and days and whatnot, and then he gets to this one, and God, this is what it says, Leviticus 23, 23 and following. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial proclaimed with blast of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. You shall present a food offering to the Lord. Have a nice day. Like, what? Wait, I wanted, like, some reasons, some depth, something? Well, there are. So here's the, here's the big deal. You have, in, in seven months, you have moved through these other seasons of the Jewish calendar. You've collected your harvest. You're kind of done with the seasonal work, and you're waiting for winter. And you've now completed a Sabbath of months, or you're coming to the month that will complete, it is your Sabbath month. And in that month will be the Day of Atonement. This is a, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on that, we're going to cover that later in the series, but it's a big deal. It's a deal, it's a day where you take all of your sins from your previous year and you lay them on an animal that is sacrificed at the temple. And so this trumpet blast was different from the trumpet blasts uh, at at the beginning of each other month of the year because this trumpet blast tells you you got 10 days. You got 10 days to square your accounts with God, to give him your sins, to confess to him, to really come to a point of humility and and confession uh, in front of God. And so this trumpet blast was different. And the way that God wanted you to get ready for the Day of Atonement was to have you spend that first day of that important month doing nothing. Because what you contribute to your salvation is only your sin. So don't do anything this day. It's a day of preparation. It's a day of meditation. And you are going to begin to spend the next nine days preparing for that one day where your sins are taken away, where you are reminded by God that you are loved, you are forgiven. Okay, we're going to get into uh, just a couple of verses that are not in your bulletin. Uh, This is just, this is me nerding out on Jewish stuff, okay? I'm going to jump to Numbers 10, verses 1 and 2. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, make Two silver trumpets of hammered work you shall make them, and you shall use them for summoning the congregation and for breaking camp. Then Numbers 10.10, just a few verses later, On the day of your gladness also, at your appointed feasts and at the beginnings of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. They shall be a reminder of you before God, I am the Lord your God. These trumpets were made of silver. They were at the temple or at the tabernacle, which is what the temple was before it was built. Um, These were ceremonial trumpets that were used 
uh, for actually a, a wide variety of things. Um, they were used for worship, they were used for civil occasions, and they were used, had, they had a military purpose as well. And so these were battle comms, these were uh, calendar announcements, these were religious uh, sounds of preparation. Um, but the trumpets, as far as I can discern from what, I'm, what I read this week, the trumpets that would have been used on the, on the Feast of Trumpets on that first day of the Sabbath month of the Jewish calendar were silver. Um, there have been uh, customs that have developed since then where these ram's horns were used. And I think that the, the way this happened, those ram's horns were, were part of uh, ranching, in the old world, the, the shepherds would carry these with them. They would use them to signal each other, etc. And when they would hear the silver trumpets from the tabernacle or the temple, they would often pick up their own horns and repeat the sound. And so that ram's horn has become part of the Jewish identity. Um, but the trumpets that were blown on the Feast of Trumpets were actually silver, at least the first ones that were blown on any uh Religious occasion, not every, but uh, most religious occasions would have been these silver trumpets. Neither here nor there. Sorry, I, I just, I read too much this week. So, okay. Um, so this all begs the question, if this is a day of preparation, this, these trumpet blasts on this, the first day of the Sabbath month are calling God's people to rest and prepare for the Day of Atonement, well, how? How do we prepare? And I think we already answered part of that question. We rest, we stop what we're doing, and we focus on our Creator. And I'm going to read um, a passage from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Um, and this, these are Jesus' words. He's, he's been... Uh, walking with his disciples and gleaning heads of wheat, I think, from a field and eating them on the Sabbath. And he gets accused by his dissenters of working on the Sabbath by doing this. And he goes on to into kind of a rant, and then at the end of his rant, as he's rebuking these people, uh, he says this, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. It is really hard for us to grasp the strength and power of these words. First of all, that something greater than the temple is here. The temple had, had two features that, that uh, are alluded to here. One is in the, the center of the temple is the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, the seat of God on earth, the, the place of his presence. Um, and then the second thing that the temple held was the altar, where the sacrifices were made for the atonement of the sins of God's people. And Jesus says, something greater than that is here. And, and what he means is, I am. I, I am. I am. I have come to fulfill the Jewish law, to lay down my life as the final sacrifice for the sins of my people, and to redeem you, to atone for your sins and redeem you for eternity. It's me. I am the new temple. And weirdly, when, when he is done and he ascends to the right hand of God the Father, his followers all say, you are the temple. The temple of God, his, the place where he resides on earth, it's now in you. If you are in Christ, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the place on earth where God dwells. That's a big deal. And Jesus says, if, if you're in me, you're part of this thing that's bigger than the old temple. It's, this is just enormously bold language from our Savior. Uh, he's quoting from Hosea 6, 6, where the prophet says, he's quoting God, 
and says, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. And you can attribute the differences in words from various translations between uh, Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek and Greek and Hebrew and back and forth, but there it is. He's quoting the prophet Hosea. I'm going to just keep reading. I'm going to jump to Isaiah chapter 57, verses 14 uh, through 15. And here the prophet Isaiah records uh, these words. And it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lonely, and to revive the heart of the contrite. This idea of preparation, how do we prepare? Well, we prepare for the atonement that is offered on our behalf by loving God with all our heart. That's the first means of preparation. We realize that God desires steadfast love and not sacrifice. And we love him with all our heart. Hosea tells us that the knowledge of God is our priority over uh, religious offerings and sacrifices and practices. We get to know him. We grow in our relationship with God, and we find our Sabbath rest in Christ. Um, there is uh, still some controversy within Christianity on this question. And I don't mean to disrespect any other viewpoints, um, but when Christ says, I have come to fulfill, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, we take that to mean that he, who is greater than the temple, has become our eternal Sabbath rest. So, because Christ perfectly fulfilled the law, and you, as his child, are in Christ by faith in him, you are at rest spiritually. He took the punishment for your sins. He gave you peace with God. You are no longer obligated to observe the Sabbath on a particular day. And Christians, since the very beginning, uh, have, have recognized this. When Paul talks to the, to the church in Corinth, he, he s assumes they're going to meet. He says, when you meet together on the first day, that would be the day after the Jewish Sabbath, he was assuming that those of them who were Jewish would have done their Jewish thing on the Sabbath. Those who were not Jewish would have done their own thing, but they would all gather together under the name of Christ on the day of the week that Christ was resurrected from the dead. And so we are free as Christians to, to gather, to worship, to take our day of rest on really any day, technically. There's no obligation upon you because Christ has fulfilled the law. He is your Sabbath rest. Should you still take a day off? Yeah, you should. You should rest. You should worship. You should honor God and everything. But are you obligated to do it on a particular day? No. You're free in Christ to find your Sabbath rest in him. You're to love God with all your heart, and you're to humble yourself before your God. This is what Isaiah is talking about as he says, prepare the way, the way to the one who will provide that atonement for your sins. That preparation is a preparation of humility. It is one of coming before God and saying, I'm broken, I'm sinful, I'm in need of your grace. Isaiah tells us that God dwells in the high and holy place, 
and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. Humility is where God does his best work. And he doesn't have to work to bring you to a point of humility. Life will do that. Life will do that. In all of its varied ways, life will break us, will hurt us, and leave us rendered really humble at the foot of the cross. And so God says, I I like it there. That's a person, that's a heart I can work with. When we are done with ourselves, God says, that's where I do my best work. That's where my grace begins. And as we humble ourselves before him, not only is that where he does his best work, but that's where we will bear the most fruit. When we are honest and vulnerable and transparent and broken before him and one another, there is fruit to be born. There is spirit to be revived. There is heart to be lifted. So let's say that's the how. The how we prepare is to love God with all our heart and humble ourselves before him. Well, for what are we preparing? That's, I guess, the next question. What is it we are preparing for? And in the case of the first day of the Sabbath month of the Jewish calendar, they were preparing for the Day of Atonement. And they would have spent the next nine days um, in somber reflection, repentance, uh, reflecting on, calling forth all of the sins that they had committed that previous year. And so we're going to look at a couple of passages, um, well, three actually in the New Testament, um, to kind of answer this question, for what are we preparing? First, I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. And Paul is talking about life, and death, and the mortal, and the immortal, that which is touchable, and that which is intangible or transcendent. And these are his words as he speaks to that subject. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We are going through this preparation to access, to gain access for our own hearts and souls to that which transcends the present, the, the carnal, the material. Then from Matthew chapter 24, verses 30 and 31, we hear Jesus talking about the end, and this is what he says. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And then if I can just sort of uh, grab a verse from the last book of the Bible. I'm just going to read Revelation eleven fifteen. This is the seventh trumpet that is blown in this particular instance. Um, But here's what it says. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That for which we are preparing, well, we are preparing for that which lies beyond the afflictions of this life. The day of preparation is a day to 
not do, but to rest spiritually, to come before God and to look to that which transcends this life, where we can connect to something greater than whatever's going on around us. These scriptures remind us, as Paul does in 2 Corinthians, to stop looking down and to look up. We get so focused, and for good reasons, on the things that are right in front of us. And I am, I am the most guilty human on earth for this, right? I cannot see past my arm on most days. And I am controlled by the emotions that are evoked by that which is right here. And God says, would you just stop, you bonehead? Look up. Take your eyes off of what's right in front of you. I am doing something far greater, far better, far more glorious. Even with your dull brain, I'm still at work. I still love you. I am carrying you somewhere you cannot even begin to comprehend. My love will redefine you, your reality, your eternity. We look for that which lies beyond the afflictions of this life, and we look toward that final trumpet call. I don't actually pretend to know which trumpet will be the last, right? But I'm told there will be a trumpet and Christ will come back. Praise God. And he will clean up all this mess. He will take all the wounds that we have incurred in this life, and he will evaporate them before his glory. None of this will matter. Well, it matters. Don't get me wrong. What we do on this earth matters. But when we get there, when that final trumpet is blown and he comes back, all of this vaporizes. And we see the glory of God for who he is. And we are drawn into that eternal gathering of God's people. This is what we are preparing for. And the first way to prepare for it is to rest, ideally in Christ. To lay down the burdens of your hearts at the foot of his cross. To know that he died for your redemption, for your atonement, for your forgiveness, for your salvation. That you are his, bought by the price of his blood. You are free, you are forgiven, you are eternally loved. And you are called to the eternal gathering of his people, to be part of the eternal kingdom of God's Son. That phrase in Revelation, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. The Bible, in particular the New Testament, talks about the kingdom of the world as being the dominion of the evil one. The dominion where evil reigns. And there will come a day when Christ returns, the trumpet is blown, and that which was under the dominion of evil will be under the dominion of grace of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In his presence, we will live forever. All right. I want to take you quickly to Psalm 98. Jimmy, get up here. Psalm 98, verse 6 says, With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. So the trumpets referred to here are the silver trumpets at the temple. The horn is uh, one of these, if you want a real one. Like, you, I mean, you know, I got one. <laughs> We're not going to make any, no, it's church. All right. Um, so Psalm 98.6 with trumpets and the sound of the horn, that's this, all right? Make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. Uh, and on the day of the feast of trumpets, before the horn was blown, um, 
God's people read out loud Psalm 47, guess how many times? Guess? Seven times. We're not, we're not going to, don't worry. We're just going to read it once. Uh, what I'm going to try to do, it's in your bulletin. It should be on the screen behind me next. Can you tell? Okay, can you see that the second line is in bold print? Okay, so I'm going to read the first line. You're going to read the second line, and we're going to work our way through Psalm 9, I'm sorry, Psalm 47, all nine verses together. You ready? And then, when we're done, Jamie's going to light it up. Just, just knock yourself out. Yeah. Turn red. <laughs> all right. All right, after I read the first line, we're all going to clap together. <laughs> well, it's not going to be together. We're going to try. Clap your hands, all people. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared. He subdued peoples under us. He chose our heritage for us. God has gone up with a shout. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. God reigns over the nations. The princes of the peoples gather. For the shields of the earth belong to God. Come on. my mic still on? It is. Okay. <laughs> Lucky you. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we thank you for your word, for um, the ways in which you call us together, and for your incredible grace that has pursued our hearts over all these millennia, that you are the God of Abraham, who still lives, who still loves, who still redeems, who still restores, who still forgives, who still extends hope and joy to the hearts of his people. Lord, help us each and every day to prepare our hearts for the coming of the one who has atoned for all of our sin that we would be in love with you and your word and your son and your spirit and that we would grow more and more into the men and women of God that you created us to be so that not just on that day, but on a, that on every day until then, your people are shining your light into this dark and hurting world, that we are giving to others the hope of the Messiah of the ages, 
the knowledge of the one who came to atone, to redeem your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray.